then i was actually got this great opportunity to come back to india to run the ag business of bsf in india and i must share a quick story here because around that time i was also a permanent resident in uh, australia uh, and i i had to you know if you get the permanent residency in those days you had a time period before which you need to move to australia stay there for two continuous years in order to keep it valid uh, and i had this crossroad where you know i had the option of either going to australia and maybe doing a similar small job maybe a product management job or something versus coming back to india and running a business which was uh, you know like a turnaround opportunity because the business was very low profitable uh, it had a lot of assets the company really wanted to restructure and make it more profitable so i chose the more difficult path of coming back to india and taking on this humongous responsibility and to me that was a big turning point because that was my first leadership lesson my first lesson of how to what does it take to turn around uh, the role that people and teams play in in turning around a business because sometimes leaders tend to kind of think of themselves as really too important and consequently the impact that they have on the organization turns out to be you know not as positive as one could be and and the defining moment here was after 3 years of being in india when i was ready to shift back to singapore during the farewell the last couple of days i had at least two people come into my office uh, and these were people at product manager level at mid levels uh, and they said you know we are going to miss you because we used to look forward to uh, you know every the morning around 9 9:30 when you used to walk around and generally have a chat with us you know that's dr raman ramachandran managing director and chief executive officer of pi industries limited also fondly called as dr raman he's an agriculture industry veteran he did msc in agriculture from the indian agricultural research institute new delhi and then went on to do phd from university of adelaide in early 1980s PI Industries is the leading and the fastest growing agri sciences company with over 3000 employees. Before joining PI Industries Dr. Raman was the chairman and managing director of BSF India and head of the BSF legal entities in South Asia that included India, Pakistan, Bangladesh and Sri Lanka. He had a long and remarkable stint of nearly 3 decades with global chemicals major BSF where he held many positions of responsibility and led the strategic evolution of the company as a leader. in the agriculture products business across the asia pacific region i'm mansingadvi founder of growth culture author of the growth company and the host of masters of growth podcast welcome to the eighth episode of the podcast in this episode i talked to dr raman around wide range of topics i was able to extract wealth of information knowledge and insights from his career journey of nearly 3 and 1/2 decades i start the conversation by asking him about what led him to choose agriculture as a field and pursue phd in it He then shares more about early part of his professional career and how he landed up in BSF where he went on to spend most part of his professional career that also shaped him as a leader. He shares some key highlights, moments and experiences from the BSF stint. We talk about PI Industries, COVID-19 situation, business growth and road ahead. The conversation is full of leadership and management lessons drawn from his rich and successful career. While it's difficult to encapsulate the learnings and experience of 3 decades in over 30 minutes, but i did my best to do so 
and I sincerely hope you too would make most of it by drawing out learnings from this conversation that is nothing less than a masterclass. Now, without further ado, let's jump right into the conversation. Hi, I'm Mansingh Gedri and with me I have Dr. Raman Ramachandran, Managing Director and Chief Executive Officer of PI Industries Limited. Thanks, Dr. Raman, for joining us. My pleasure, Mansingh. Uh, let's start the discussion by talking about your education. You chose to pursue a degree in agriculture and you also did your PhD. Uh, tell us more about your interest in agriculture and what led you to pursue a PhD in this field. Uh, Mansingh, I'll be very frank. I don't want to tell you that this is something that I always wanted to do as growing up. In fact, I was brought up in a very urban environment. I was born and brought up in Chennai uh, and uh, I didn't really even and know that agriculture was actually taught as a science in a university. Like kids growing up in those days, this is I'm talking early 70s, my aspiration was to become a doctor. Uh, Due to various circumstances, I couldn't get into a medical college. And we happened to have a neighbor who was professor of botany in one of the colleges in uh, Chennai, the presidency college to be specific and he was the one who suggested why don't you try agriculture and and that's when i actually realized that this is actually profession and a, a degree course that you could actually pursue and that's how i ended up at the tamil nadu agriculture university in coimbatore for my first degree and of course having you know decided to go to the, the agricultural university i pursued my masters and and later on PhD and this was primarily influenced by my father uh, who always kind of you know influenced me to think about an academic career. So I got a master's from the Indian Agriculture Research Institute in Delhi and then went on to University of Adelaide in Australia to get a PhD. Uh, So that's the that's the history and the story behind uh, how I ended up doing a PhD in agriculture. I'm sure so those advices have worked well for you. (laughs) Yes yes certainly no regrets. Sure. And uh, tell us about your uh, professional journey before uh, you joined uh, BASF. So I had two phases in my professional journey. The first phase and the early phase post my PhD for about six years was primarily dedicated to research. So I, I worked with international agricultural research institutions like the Indian Rice Research Institute in Philippines. There was another institution called ECP uh, based out of Kenya in Nairobi, Kenya. And my last stint was with the uh, University of Wisconsin in Madison. And this was pure academic research. And I must say that at that point, my uh, dream, so to speak, was also to seek an academic uh, job and particularly in the U- U.S. And I came close to a couple of uh, opportunities, but I didn't really work out. And uh, about six years, you know, doing research after my PhD, it was also time to kind of ponder and look at practicalities because I was married. I had a child and I was looking for a more stable career. And that's when I was offered a job with Sandoz, the Swiss farmer and uh, agri company in their R&D side. And, And I also... Sandoz then eventually brought me back to India. So in 1993, uh, I moved back to Mumbai with my first corporate job, so to speak, with Sandoz. And I continued in Sandoz and three years later moved to a company called American Cyanamid. 
and uh, while I started in research and product development very soon I started to realize that my interests probably could be extended to marketing and business development and both the companies like Sandoz and American Cyanamide were good enough to kind of give me opportunities to learn and also demonstrate what I could do. So that's the kind of work that I did with both these companies. And I was actually a business development manager for a particular business group for Africa, Middle East, and parts of Asia when American Cyanamide was acquired by BSF through that acquisition that I then uh, ended up in BSF. That's great. So it's, it's quite an interesting journey, right? So you did your doctorate and then uh, you started with research and then, you know, in product and then into business and marketing. Right? So, it's, yeah. so it's, it's like, you know, you got this really good exposure, right? Working in different countries and in different fields, right? So you got this exposure. Absolutely. Yeah. Was it really exciting to, you know, understand and get into different facets or different departments uh, of a business? So how important was that to you as an individual in your I think it was very, very important uh, because early on in your career, you kind of have to decide, are you going to go through a more of an expert career, which is, you know, a fairly narrow track and keep pursuing that? Or are you willing to, you know, kind of explore uh, other areas, clearly knowing that when you get into these areas, you need to spend a lot of time learning and also that there is also a very high risk of failure. Right, because you are actually getting into domains where others have either spent more number of years, they've had formal education in that. So yes, it is exciting in the sense that you are always looking for new things, but there is also always a fear at the back of your mind as to you know whether you will really succeed, and maybe that fear actually kind of you know spurs you uh, to greater, shall I say, dedication or hard work, uh, and also spurs you to learn things and try and succeed so the answer is yes exciting but also kind of a fear coming from this potential risk of failure in what you're going to do yeah and then uh, you joined uh, bsf in uh, 2000 yes. and you were there almost for uh, two decades right yeah uh, so tell us more about uh, this journey right some key highlights i know so two decades uh, you know fairly good time but like some key highlights from from yeah. the yeah. Uh, work at bsf great question and i must say bsf really launch my career so to speak so my first stint in bsf was you know this was soon after the acquisition i joined a small team of people in singapore and uh, that was the first regional office for asia pacific of the agriculture business of bsf uh, and of course bsf is a huge organization with uh, 12 different operating divisions with massive investments in Asia, particularly China, Japan, even India. I mean, in, in India, BSF has been around for more than 100 years. And uh, so with long history and very wide and deep presence. And, uh, and so it was really exciting to, you know, of course, move to Singapore is a great city to live uh, and also start this regional marketing role. Uh, and I did this for about four and a half years till end of 2004. And this is a great scene because this really taught me about agriculture in different parts of Asia, you know, from uh, I spent a lot of time in places like Japan, Korea. Uh, and, you know, the agriculture in, in Japan is very, very different from agriculture in China. The way the whole marketing structure, whether it is for the produce or for 
agrochemicals is very, very different in these countries, the distribution structure. I uh, spent a lot of time in China. So it was a great uh, learning uh, in terms of what happens in these markets, not only about understanding agriculture, but also about understanding business. Because in BSF, during that stint, I did a number of projects. For example, I did a, one of the first projects, which was looking at what kind of business models and market approach would you take in order to succeed in in a country like China, because China was, you know, in the 90s had a lot of restrictions for foreign companies, particularly in areas like pharmaceuticals and agrochemicals. There was limited imports and they were starting to open up. So the questions for companies like BSF is how would you approach this market? So for me, it was a great learning in uh, business models and marketing approaches. My other big project was also the project that I did in Australia, where we were really questioning the then business model of having your own organization with uh, very high expenses, as you know, in Australia to set up a sales and marketing organization. It costs a lot. The risks were very high. So we, uh, you know, kind of analyzed several different options and decided to actually restructure the whole business and give the distribution to a local Australian company. So this, this also taught me a lot about how do you look at these kinds of business models, how do you put all the numbers together, present it to the board. And then, of course, once the approach is approved, and in this case, it was that, yes, let's close our organization and hand it over to the local company. It, it also meant execution, which is, you know, including letting people go, negotiating with the larger BSF organization because there are so many interlinks and matrices and then so many people who need to be informed and who need to agree to your proposal. So it was a great experience in understanding business and also how do you navigate a fairly large organization? Who are the stakeholders? How do you manage the stakeholders? So it was an excellent, shall I say, learning by experience yeah, during those four and a half years. Then I was actually got this great opportunity to come back to India to run the ag business of BSF in India. And I must share a quick story here because around that time, I was also a permanent resident in uh, Australia. Uh, and I, I had to, you know, if you get the permanent residency in those days, you had a time period before which you need to move to Australia, stay there for two continuous years in order to keep it valid. Uh, and I had this crossroad where, you know, I had the option of either going to Australia and maybe doing a, similar small job, maybe a product management job or something versus coming back to India and running a business, which was, uh, you know, like a turnaround opportunity because the business was very low profitable. Uh, it had a lot of assets. The company really wanted to restructure and make it more profitable. So I chose the more difficult path of coming back to India and taking on this humongous responsibility. And to me, that was a big turning point because that was my first leadership lesson, my first lesson of how to, what does it take to turn around, uh, the role that people and teams play in, in turning around a business. And, and I then did that for three years and we really turned that business around. We made the fundamentals very strong. It became from a very one of the lowest profitable businesses for the ag business in Asia Pacific 
to the top three. It was in the top three profitable businesses for Asia Pacific. And in four or five years, uh, it actually ended up being the top 10 profitable businesses in the whole world from country businesses in the whole world for BSF. That was, you know, a humongous leadership experience and learning for me. And in 2008, then I was moved back to Singapore as the head of marketing for the whole of Asia Pacific for the ACT business. Mm -hmm. uh, again, great experience in strategy because me and my team then developed a whole strategy to take the business at that time, which was about 350 million euros to about a billion euros. You know, so uh, how do we then build a strategy which is across a geography which is then trying to double or triple the business and what is the role of organic what is the role of inorganic kind of moves in achieving this uh, uh, you know goal of being a billion dollar company in that region yeah. and then in 2011 12 i actually became the head of the ag business for asia pacific so i was actually running this half a billion dollar company half a billion dollar business spanning over about 17 countries in asia pacific but of course bulk of it coming from about seven or eight countries yeah uh, with close to about uh, 2000 3000 people spread across all these countries so again uh, you know it just built on whatever i was doing from a country leadership to a pan asia pacific leadership and then of course uh, interacting on a regular basis with the executive management team in Germany to the board members. So it was really pushing you to the next level of management, leadership and interaction. So and in 2013, BSF was looking for somebody to head the entire BSF organization back in South Asia. So again, I was kind of identified as a person. So in 2000, late 2013, I came back to India as the chairman and managing director of BSF India. Uh, again, an exciting kind of role because uh, here was uh, a company, BSF India, which is publicly listed, two, three other legal entities which were into very specific businesses. And then you had legal entities in other South Asian countries like Pakistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka. And the whole task was, how do you get this whole region uh, to be a growth region? The previous three years, the business had kind of stagnated. And uh, whenever I've had these roles, the first thing that I have done is to always look at the team and then think about how do we bring this team together? First, the question to ask is, do I have the right people? Then make sure that the right people are on board in the six to seven months, the first six to seven months. And then, you know, really give them a set of goals that you co-create with them and those set of goals have to be exciting and launch a change management program based on achieving those goals so it was exciting for me to come back and put together five goals and the five goals were really to take that business uh, which was at that time about 1.1 1.2 billion euros to about 1.7 billion euros which is you know which was the strategy that was always kind of uh, or the strategic goal that the company had, you know, growth to three percentage point above the GDP, which would have taken that business to about 1.7. And also there was uh, a goal to set up a petrochemical investment in the country because a lot of 
the chemical business is the backbone is a petrochemical investment where you are taking some of the byproducts from the refinery and then building you know ethylene and propylene based products which forms the basis for a lot of products from diapers to construction chemicals to a lot of things uh, industries uh, you know which are producing products for consumers and of course the last and the most important goal there was you know really creating a team that works together and is high energy and high performance and and we launched a program called leap which is leadership uh, excellence action and performance which was actually facilitated uh, very nicely by my friend who is currently the dean of spj in institute of management and over the next 3 to 4 years the leap the acronym became the basis and the mantra for the change management and i must say that by the time i retired in 2019 most of those goals were either achieved or we were well on our way to achieving those goals and you may kind of go back and check that in jan 2019 bs have actually announced a joint venture with adani which will invest uh, you know a couple of billion dollars into a petrochemical investment in mundra port so that was one big aspiration that the bsf india team always have had for the last about 10 to 15 years because that's a stepping stone to growth the big big growth you know uh, of chemical businesses uh, in a country so you know i think it was a very satisfying kind of end to the career so i retired in march 2019 Uh, and that's when the opportunity to continue came up in the form of uh, joining pia industries uh, which is a company that i have known for quite some time but it was exciting to really be given this opportunity with a mandate to really again bring about changes which institutionalize a lot of the processes and takes the company to the next level I think it's great. So, so your journey with BSF is quite interesting, and obviously, two decades is uh, you know fairly good amount of time. And then you know the the different countries and the markets that you worked, and a lot of it leadership and people challenges and strategies, etc. So, so yes, yeah, so I think you know you try to summarize and and obviously you know you can't summarize uh, you know two decades of experience in a few minutes. But I think you know you did a great summary about uh, you know spending the couple of decades at the company. continuing with the pi industry right so your current company so it's a well known agri sciences company and uh, for the benefit of listeners uh, uh, would you like to share more about uh, pi industries and its uh, current business operations right and and obviously the company has also evolved uh, as well and uh, i think so recently forward in the pharma sector right? so if you could share more about the company so pi industry is actually uh, more than 70 years old started off in udaipur and uh, the grandfather of the current vice chairman mr mind singhal he was a great entrepreneur and he was the one who started the company it was initially started off as mewar oil company which was extracting vegetable oils and then soon you know kind of became one of the first companies to invest into uh, chemicals and agrochemicals and in the first maybe 30 years of its journey it was really producing agrochemicals and distributing it in india and over a period of time it transformed from just being a generic agrochemical distribution company into two very distinct businesses which are based on high levels of research and also based on intellectual property based products and technologies so the two 
businesses that PI is involved in is one is called a custom synthesis business. Uh, and the custom synthesis business is one where we work with global companies. And this was started from Japan, with starting with Japanese companies. And as you may know, many global multinational pharma and agrochemical companies are increasingly looking for partners who can produce either advanced intermediates and in many cases even the finished molecules or active ingredients as we call it in the agrochemical industries or api as it is called in the pharma industry and pi however you know kind of has evolved and positioned itself as a very reliable partner who using pi's own process research and development capabilities is able to add value to the customer by you know enabling cost reduction bringing in safer ways of producing and also maintaining a very high levels of ehs standard so that's that one part of our business and the custom synthesis business our our customers are a large number of japanese agrochemical companies most of the western multinational agrochemical companies whether it is bayer BSF, FMC, Cotiva, all of them are our customers. So the critical success factor in this business is process research development, ability to you know, put assets at world-class assets, ability to deliver high-quality product on time to the customers. And so that's, that's the, and it's a very high-growth business and uh, has been key driver of PI's growth in the last uh, maybe five to six years. So the other business is our uh, agriculture distribution business where we actually develop, get the regulatory approval, manufacture in some cases and distribute these products, market and distribute and sell these products for farmers in, in India. Uh, now, there are a lot of other agrochemical companies which do this. Um, in India, there are two kinds of two groups of companies you have the multinational companies which bring their proprietary innovative products and then there are indian companies who either yeah, you know kind of co-distribute some of these products or to a great extent are generic producers of off-patent products which they sell in the country pi is very unique even in the agricultural distribution space because to a great extent the product that pi sells to the Indian farmers are products that are either exclusively or co-exclusively licensed from our partners, either the Japanese partners or the global, you know, MNC partners that we work with. And uh, so now talking about uh, COVID-19, so when the lockdown measures were announced in March this year, so how did you respond to this situation as MD and CEO? So I think it was, it was not just the MD CEO, I think it was the whole leadership team you know, which uh, connected very quickly. So we were very fortunate that because we are in essential commodity, uh, our manufacturing plants could still continue to work during the lockdown, barring a few days, I must say. And so the most important task of the leadership team was how do you continue running your manufacturing plants, but at the same time, make sure that every individual is well taken care of and the risk of any kind of you know contagion is reduced to the bare minimum so, so i think that was one of the most important proactive responses so the manufacturing continued the second very important part was of course when manufacturing has to continue the back-end supply chain also needs to respond equally because you remember the whole country was locked down 
there were issues with importing there were issues with transporting things and again i think here the team did a great job uh, to make sure that right approvals right stakeholders were contacted and and many of these things you know in terms of vendors we were always looking for alternate vendors because in some places the vendors also could not actually do anything because there was complete lockdown and they didn't have their laborers come in or their factories were shut so there was quite a bit of contingency planning and uh, and very proactive ways to make sure that all the various raw materials packing materials etc are made available so that was uh, i would say another exemplary work that was done the third part was how quickly as leadership and also at various management levels people responded by learning to work from home yeah it teams did a great job to ensure that everyone was immediately uh, you know given access to the various tools that was available uh, like whether it is microsoft team or webex or zoom and i think the fourth dimension is also starting to realize that this is a completely different kind of uh, life for everyone and we need to also make sure that people are engaged and and so there were from the char side initiatives like i think it was so called the 21 day you know initiative where the families were engaged the creativity of children was showcased you know so it was a combination of a lot of these things and i would say perhaps the last one and this was really evident in the agriculture distribution business because again the whole country was locked down and the month of april may is very critical for the agri distribution business because you know we are just preparing for what is called as the kharif season or the summer season which uh, the farmers plant in the month of june july it's like a peak season for you yeah. peak season and this is the time when actually our sales people are out there you know meeting farmers and meeting our distributors and thanks to the fact that pi already had quite a bit of investment in digital the adoption and push for the digital ways of even communicating with your farmers just you know stepped up in a big time and i think the whole organization adopted to this very very quickly a lot of new innovations were brought in and and so the long and short is that we declared our results already for the the first quarter of the year and and you would see that actually the business impact those no impact on the business i mean the business grew as we had originally predicted you know and the profits were also along the same growth trajectory that we have had in the past and what we had projected yeah it's just quite remarkable right so i think the kind of response as a leadership team yeah and it's already showing in the results that's great and thanks for sharing that and and i must say that you know you know being in the ag business obviously uh, was a big help because that was one one industry which perhaps got least eff- affected during during this period yeah and obviously the covid ha- effect has now reduced uh, greatly and obviously very soon we might be in a situation wherein the impact of covid will be very minimal on the economy as a whole right so so now from the road ahead perspective for pi industries so what are you focusing on right are there any key areas that you want to now focus as as a company uh, so you know i think as the fundamentals in the agri- agriculture whether in india or global continues to be sound 
right? Yeah. Particularly in countries like India, the demand for food, the quality of food, the composition of food is going to continue to increase. And, and uh, we believe that, you know, some of the recent policy initiatives from the government would eventually have far-reaching implications in the way agriculture is done uh, and the profitability uh, of the farmers. So the industry is good. And, and very similarly, perhaps uh, at a global level, the growth rates might be lower, but this industry will continue to be driven by innovation, regulations. Regulations will demand for more and more safer products. And, and so it will continue to be an attractive business, both for the custom synthesis business and also for the local distribution business. So clearly, you know, we continue to aspire to grow well above the market in both these businesses. And at the same time, we are also looking at how do we, you know, kind of take our core capabilities and then move into adjacencies. And that's where that's a whole pharma story that you've been hearing about from PI, an area of focus. And, and you probably know that we were very successful in a QIP. And at this time, we are really kind of starting to execute the strategy of how to get into the pharma side of the book. You know, opportunity. You are an agri-chemicals industry veteran. Uh, so, how do you see this sector evolving and uh, the kind of an impact uh, that could have on the world? So, if you could share your thoughts around it. You know, agrochemicals and crop protection technologies and agricultural technology in in general is going to be very, very crucial to continue to produce the food that is required to meet the increasing population. You know, even at a global level. We are going to be 9 billion people. And then, you know, if you then take countries like India, we're going to have, you know, another 200 million people in the next 10 to 15 years. And then the per capita GDP of a lot of these countries are also increasing, which also really changes the kind of dietary composition of people and puts demand for greater, for instance, fruits, vegetables, meat, all of which has a direct impact on agricultural output. Yeah. So. The technology really plays in intensive agriculture where you can produce more from less. Having said that, I think agriculture has to become more and more sustainable. And again, here, technology and regulations will make this happen. So I see the agricultural chemicals and agriculture industry as an industry where innovation will become extremely important. It has always been important, will continue to be important. Uh, and so any company which is research-based, which is science-based, which believes in intellectual property, I believe will have tremendous growth opportunities, both at the country level and also at the global level. And now uh, let me ask you a different uh, questions, right? So you obviously had a fairly uh, good journey and uh, there have been... Uh, many key or defining moments right in your business journey would you like to share any story or incident that had deep impact on you or your business on me personally i i think um, the defining moments were really from a business perspective is really the time when i came back and uh, was vested with this responsibility to turn around a business in 2005 you know when i came back to india and ran the ag business of bsf uh, and it was defining because I realized what a good leader can do if you really brought a good team of people together, created an environment where every one of them can really perform 
created an environment where there is, you know, let's say creative uh, and positive conflict uh, between the various functions and people and uh, how that can really have a positive impact on business. In other words, if I were to just summarize that particular experience of three years of running this business in India made me realize the importance of the statement uh, about culture eat, eating strategy for breakfast. I think it was, it was Potter who said that. Uh, I, I still believe in it. I think this, I've seen this repeat at least two or three times uh, in my uh, business career. That was probably one of the most defining kind of moments. Uh, perhaps there is one more defining moment, which is which is about humility and which is also about what little it takes, because sometimes leaders tend to kind of think of themselves as really too important. And consequently, the impact that they have on the organization turns out to be, you know, not as positive as one could be. And, and the defining moment here was after three years of being in India, when I was ready to shift back to Singapore during the farewell, the last couple of days, I had at least two people come into my office. Mm -hmm. uh, and these were people at product manager level, at mid levels. Uh, and they said, you know, we're going to miss you because we used to look forward to, uh, you know, every, the morning around 9, 9.30 when you used to walk around and generally have a chat with us, you know, mm -hmm. at least two or three times a week when you were actually in the office. You know, I used to do that because I used to get bored, you know, sitting in my cabin. And after I cleared the emails, I would walk out and generally kind of talk to some people. And I realized, you know, that's all it takes for a leader sometimes to connect with people. Just that, you know, simple habit of just going out and saying hello and asking a few personal questions, you know, can really serve to motivate people to a great extent. Absolutely. I mean, certainly and companies are into people business, right? So, so you take care of your people, you treat them well, and I'm sure that it will show on the results, right? And, uh, and obviously your uh, growth journey has been uh, inspiring and a lot of professionals aspire to become CEO or, or managing director someday. So what's your advice to them? How can they prepare uh, for this top job? You know, one is you need to be in the early days, uh, seek to develop expertise in certain areas. As opposed to sometimes, you know, I see some of the younger generation wanting to kind of change jobs every two or three years. So a certain level of stability, which provides you a certain expertise in, in one or two functional areas, uh, I think provides you a solid basis. So that, that would be one, one recommendation that I have. The second recommendation is also that very often in career, you come a, to a crossroad where there is one path which leads you to a more risky kind of option. And, and I refer back to my story of, you know, 2004, when I was confronted with the choice of maybe moving to Australia and having a comfortable life versus coming back to India and taking on the risky job of, you know, trying to turn around a business, which could have resulted in me probably even losing my job. Choose the riskier option because obviously the payoffs are going to be significantly higher and also that's when you really learn yeah, even if you fail in that i'm sure the consequence and the learnings that you get from that experience would maybe there was a lull there could probably be a lull in your career but that learning would always come back and and pay off uh, so i would say those are the two the other other important characteristics i think is learning to be self-aware how other people affect you and how you affect other people. And last but 
most importantly, you know, being humble and not let success get to your head. I think this is a great uh, piece of advice, right? Golden words, because you've been there and you've done that. And, and I'm sure, you know, these points and the practical advice is uh, surely going to help me. So thanks for sharing uh, uh, that piece of advice. And uh, now final thoughts or comments you want to leave us with? The final thoughts I would say would be uh, in any car- career, in whatever field that you choose, there is a part that you play. You know, you do things to the best of your mind. There is, you may call it fate or blessings or luck, whatever the word is, there is also that piece that is there. And this is also one of the reasons why you need to be humble when success comes to you because it can also go exactly the opposite in a very short period of time. So recognizing that, you know, there is this invisible hand, whatever you may call it, is also equally important, you know, which also then... The consequence of that recognition is that if if failures happen, you don't beat yourself up. Maybe the circumstances were not right. And and that also then gives you the strength to stand, get up and, you know, try and do it again. So that will be my last uh, word, so to speak. Sure. So it was lovely conversation. So thanks, Dr. Raman. It was great having you at the podcast. Thank you very much, Man Singh. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. We sincerely hope that you enjoyed it. If you like the conversation, then do subscribe to the podcast if not done already. And also please share it within your network so that it could reach and benefit more listeners. You can also find recordings of Masters of Growth episodes on www.mastersofgrowth.in. Thanks again for listening and I would catch you in the next episode. Till then, take care and stay safe.